Hello and welcome to Huge Fans. It's Catherine. It's Liz. And Ed. And John. Okay, so because we're doing Harry Potter, uh-huh. the movie specifically, I decided that I would ask my daughter, Sarah, to join us. Say hi, Sarah. Hi. Oh, there she is. Is she going to be our local or our in-house scholar? Completely, right? I mean... Yeah, I realized that I knew a lot more than mom did. <laughs> we were talking about yeah, we were talking about I was refreshing my memory mm-hmm. on all the movies and she was um much more ready with the facts than I was. And I realized I was asking a lot of questions and she had all the answers. Oh so. boy. Okay. <laughs> well well this is also our Halloween episode. Correct. So it's very on theme for the movies, which you know I do start watching on constant rotation at this time of year, pretty much through Christmas. It can be background watching as we Yeah, our watch. hashtag background watching. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, very Recently, we learned of the passing of the beloved Hagrid. Yeah, Robbie Coltrane. That was so sad. I, I mean, know. He was only such, uh, just a delight. I mean, only 72, yeah. which seems kind of young yeah. in today's time. So, yes, that well, was. Well, he was half giant. So. Well, true. <laughs> true. <laughs> true. I don't think that was actually true, what? Ed. What? You're oh, ruining sorry. My okay, life. all right, sorry. So, I know for most of us, our first awareness of Harry Potter was the books, but the movies started in 2001. That is crazy. That's the year I was born. Yeah, what, I mean, are you going to contest that, John? Well, I mean, look, I, I it's not that I was not unaware of the books. I was slightly aware of the books, but I didn't... I, at that point, I didn't care about them. Oh, so know. he's contesting the books versus the movies. I see. Ah, mm-hmm. well, I will say we had nieces who were living in London at the time, and they were fans of it. And I guess, Sarah, wasn't there an English version of it that had more or different terms used throughout the books? Yeah, I think when they did the American version, they localized it a little bit. I mean, they kept a lot of the Britishness in it, but certain, you know, chips and fries and stuff. Well, oh, yeah, I, and like jumper instead of sweater. Yeah, and pitch. Cookies did, uh, and I biscuits. Think they kept pitch. Yeah. Cookies and biscuits. Yeah, sure. that's that's the interesting thing. They took out jumper, but then they left pitch, which you then learn to understand, but is a Britishism. Well, learn to understand. I tried to start reading the books before the movies because of our nieces being so excited oh about them yeah so mm-hmm. into them and <laughs> first book with the names like albus dumbledore hermione i mean i was like how do you even now i cannot mispronounce it because they're so ingrained but at the time i literally was like like it felt like every six word i was like what is she even saying I mean, if we're talking about the movies, how are you not? I mean, Hermione, come on, <laughs> Hermione. So I was like, huh? So I remember being in Vegas for the weekend and coming home, and my friend was looking up the movie times because he was going right from the plane to see the movie because he was that much already of a fan. Oh, really? And I was like, you're a grown adult male. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, no, it's so good. It's so good. And at that point, I think three of the books might have been out or at least two had been out. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You have to see it. You have to see it. And I just thought it was absurd. And then the rumblings of how good it was came out and how true to the books it was or even better than you could have envisioned. You're right, John. I cheated. I was aware of the books, but I hadn't read them. And I did see the movie first. And then once I understood like the vernacular or the pronunciation of half of these words, I was like, it was less I, of a barrier. I can feel yeah. like I can even get through the book. And that really is what happened. And then along with our nieces and hundreds of millions of people read all the books. I remember our friend Kathleen goes, oh, when they go into, was it called the Great Hall, Sarah? 
Um, I think so. I already caught you on something. I know. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So the Great Hall, they go into the Great Hall, and she's like, oh, and they walk into the Great Hall for the first time. You just gasp because from the book's description, I was like, okay. Speaking of the Great Hall, I was watching a behind-the-scenes interview, and the reaction of all the kids is real. That's the first time they went into the oh, Great Hall in cool. the movie. Oh, that's cool. And they cool. had a practical effect, which totally didn't last and they had to stop using it of like actual candles hanging on fishing wire oh geez what which you know eventually started to melt and like fell on people so they oh, no. but that initial reaction is them walking in and it looking like literal real magic floating candles and everyone is like whoa and it's a huge set too and there's like all those people were actually on set it was like 300 kids so oh, it was a crazy so cool. scene to shoot on top of them actually walking in and really having that reaction and if you go back a little further what was fascinating was hearing the casting process because I remember Rosie O'Donnell was campaigning for a role and the role she was campaigning for was Mrs. Weasley right now I did not know who Mrs. Weasley was at this time and I was like so I didn't know and now having seen the movie it's like Rosie you would have so not been right for that role like but I understand the enthusiasm for for wanting to be in these movies well especially if it's the cast before you actually see what they were doing that it was like legit Mm -hmm. real a castle all of these people look like they had been wizards for a minute and maybe had some not so good reactions sometimes. Like they had like gone through stuff. Like even Alan Rickman, his specific well, look was so like, uh, you've been through some stuff. That ain't what you go into the like the McDonald's in, you know? <laughs> well, they had a real British look to them, only casting British actors. So Americans not need apply. So there you go. Well, perhaps the entire United Kingdom, but yes. Yes, yes, you're right. So I did hear that the initial idea for the production was to shoot it all in the US, which makes more sense that they would be trying to cast more in the US. They changed that. Mm. There was a bit of an interview where Daniel Radcliffe was saying, Yeah, my family was considering moving there for a couple of years. Oh wow. Well, I wonder why. Maybe because Christopher Columbus is an American director. And it's a Warner Brothers feature. Yeah. I think there was something to do with child labor laws in Britain yes. so they had to be like well we don't even know if we can shoot it in Britain and then yeah. I think they changed the child labor they laws. got a waiver to do nine hour days even though like four of that was actually school oh well that totally makes sense because everybody was under 18 because the first year is basically what age did he turn Sarah that we were all celebrating 11 yes <laughs> Eleven. So if you had a bunch of starting at around 11 years old and up, it's like you have a lot of kids. Well, 11 is really young because in Hollywood, the trick is like, oh, teenagers, but really they're 20. So even at 15, when it's a character that's 15, it could be an actor that is over 18 Mm -hmm. easily. But 11, you can't really have 18 year olds. You got to go young. Especially for the main three characters, I think they really did try to cast the age and make it all appropriate. So, you know, Daniel Radcliffe, who was not you know they tried to make it sound like I remember first hearing about it and I was like oh is he not the experience of an actor it's like no he had had some he did David Copperfield yes. like that's where he really got known those little blue eyes of wonderment and starvation <laughs> probably because it was Dickens you could so. see the magic behind his eyes yes mm. and Emma Watson and Rupert Grint did I pronounce his name right yeah that was right okay. I did want to throw in I think this is common knowledge that they did aging studies on the three of them to kind of make oh, sure wow. that they would look kind of good as they got older which is a weird thing it's like things can go wonky i don't know yeah especially if you can't use polyjuice potion true i mean that is a big risk because forget how they look how are they going to mature 
you know, yeah, just, as people, as, as actors, people, as, yeah. Tales old as time about Hollywood, child actors, how things go wrong, drunk alcohol, you know, all across the board, right? Of course. I mean, they got so lucky. The environment that was created by, you know, first movie out of the gate, Christopher Columbus. And I think all of them were produced by David Heyman. And he, you know, really seemed to be the liaison for J.K. Rowling on the films. And I think the environment that was created was very safe and I really haven't heard any tales about you know the kids not almost loving the environment that they were in filming those movies and it shows I mean, it's interesting because there's like not a, a huge part of the first two movies that deals with like the grown up teenagers that they all eventually turn into through right, the series right. so you really just have this younger set of kids and these grown ups but none of the grown ups are new they're all experienced actors bringing a lot to the table and all those kids really were in school in more ways than one they were mm-hmm. taking school lessons and they were all in acting class for like that entire production yeah oh well they were surrounded by the creme de la creme of, the greats you know, of, some uh, of them yeah I mean when the rumors started to go around Britain and the UK that Alan Rickman had committed to the role of Snape and Maggie Smith as Professor McGonagall and actually the first Dumbledore was Sir Richard Harris yeah, yeah Sir Richard I mean, Harris mm-hmm. I think it became like oh they're really casting the real deal. Like, they've gotten some incredible people. They're going kind of serious, not yeah. lightweight. Yeah. No. Pretty much uh, A-level. And that, that was for the first film. So why don't we kind of start going down the movies, starting with 2001. So 2001. I did not yeah. really get off the plane from Vegas and go see the film, because I thought my friend was insane. But like I said, I started to hear the rumors about it, that it was so good. And it was a huge box office. Like, it was doing extremely well. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Well, how funny, Sarah saying that that was the year she was born. I mean, that is crazy to me. Obviously, (laughs) she did not see it in the theater. No. I don't think I did either. I don't think I was aware of it until much later in the progression. You had just had a baby. So I don't know if you were seeing movies in the theater at that time. I mean, that's true. I was home with you. I can fill in some details because I was working with you at that time. Oh, right. And we weren't really into it until after the movie was really about to come out and we got caught up in a audiobook uh, catch up where oh, you and right. I were switching mm-hmm. CDs back and forth getting caught up on the books because the movies were really good. Yeah. Yeah, I have your copy of the first book where you had like post-it notes taking notes of all the names and stuff. Uh. <laughs> At a certain point I think you were like, let's just switch to audiobooks. That'll be easier. <laughs> it was a lot to take in the depth of that first novel, which is it's laying out the world. Which is actually why that first movie is so magical to see Diagon Alley for the first time, oh. to see the Great Hall for the first time. That moment of Robbie Coltrane saying, like, you're a wizard, Harry, you're like, Yeah, this is the the whole movie Dursleys. was magical. Oh, Ugh. the Dursleys were horrific. There was so much. And also just seeing that the character of Harry come to life and that he could carry it off like emotionally because, you know, he was an orphan and he was really oh being my God, abused. That little, yeah, that little hutch under the stairs or, yes. you know, closet under the stairs. Were you going to correct yeah, me? It's closet. I don't know why we would ever get that wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, just the whole how he, you know, talking to the snake and 
all those magical moments in the first movie really tie you into the world. I mean, you want a letter. That whole sequence of not being able to get him the letter from the oh, owl. God, they were such jerks. Like, the Dursleys trying to keep the letter Who from would him? give like, you mail? Ugh. Ugh. And that was also the first foretelling or the foreshadowing of how much the Dursleys did know. Oh, yeah, for sure. They wouldn't have been so worried about the letters if they hadn't already known what it meant. Oh, mm. gosh. <laughs> Which is so ridiculous. If he's such a pain in the bupkis that you've stuffed him under the staircase, he's leaving. Congratulations, I you know, win. You'd be like, get issue? out. Great. Uh, yeah, wanting to keep him really made no sense other than they refused to be part of the magical world anymore. Yes, that's what it was. Yeah, so they're not going to acknowledge it. They're not going to be part of that nonsense anymore. In true parental fashion, they just don't tell their kid why he can't do the coolest thing in the universe because it killed your mom. Freaking idiot. No yeah, magic well, for you, ever. And, and dad. Yeah, well. and we resented it even before that happened, so... But it is crazy, the point that you just made. I mean, they also alluded to it in the film that, like, he was a bit of a... <laughs> he did a lot of cooking and cleaning, it seems. So they were going to lose a helper around the house. <laughs> Interesting. That was I was... never registered Harry as the Dobby for them. <laughs> there you go. And wow. I will say what cracked me up is there's a scene where he's like, he comes in and he is like, I think he's trying to help put, like, looks like pieces of ham or bacon on the plate and he's doing such a bad job of it. I was like... <laughs> What is poor little Harry doing? It's just like he's such a little kid. It's like bring my coffee boy. Yes, exactly. Oh my god, that was so good, Sarah. Thank oh. you. So yeah. Well, yeah. it does remind me that like there are moments and little lines that come up all the time. How many are there? Which is that same scene where he's thirty six, but last year, last year I had thirty seven. That right? <laughs> I mean, like, come on, you jerk. That's too many presents anyway. And then that the both of the parents are just like, oh, we'll get more. Don't worry about it. Huh. You're like, oh, geez. So I mean, I, as much as you hate the Dursleys, it really invited the audience into the world because you got how little Harry understood. His world was our world. It was the real world. It was some jerk uncles and aunts, you know, had you under the stairs and a jerk cousin who got all the presents. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to a castle with magic. Bye. I yeah, mean, I love ya. how she is one of my favorite actresses. Fiona Shaw. Yeah. yeah. Um, Petunia Dursley. How she was boiling his uniform for like basically the reform school he was going to well, go to. When they they were dying it I think or something <laughs> like, but it, like, ugh. and yeah you do then see Harry in like the most ill-fitting giant floppy clothes which are all hand-me-downs from, from Dudley from Dudley yeah. oh, you so, know, that's why he got along with Ron so well because Ron was always dealing with that same ish yeah. hand-me-downs at a certain point that shifts in one of the movies you know there's a great scene where it's like clearly Harry is now dipping into his uh, <laughs> his gold to come up in the outfit category so I think you know just like we said just the world building for us being able to see from the page into the screen was just magical Christopher Columbus did a fantastic job in casting and creating that basically environment for what would be the basis of all the films going forward it was just it was incredible right and Christopher Columbus directed the first two movies right and I don't know if there's criticism or whatever but those first two movies are considered to be more kid-friendly more light-hearted in content and tone right. particularly the first one though very much that first introduction to the world being so magical and being so sort of like you know stars in your eyes he did a, an amazing job but I watched it again I mean there's definitely things as a kid when they go into the forest there sure. are moments that are scary or 
sure that that was so interesting. If you read the books and watched the movies at the age that the kids were, you kind of could progress maturity wise to handle them. Now, most kids that discover this around between eight and 10 years old, it's like they're digesting it all way too fast and it is actually can be kind of scary yeah i read them all when i was very young i think i was reading the order of the phoenix in first grade so when i was like seven and i think my teacher was like, i know sorry my teacher was like what is she reading <laughs> it's weighs, a big book yeah and it probably had themes in it that were a little beyond you at seven years old some of it and then yeah the movies did not i mean the good and the evil life and death Mm -hmm. afterlife magic i mean there's just a lot in it and i think the big thing for the first two movies is that without there being a real threat to harry like until you really sign on and understand what's going on with Voldemort. He who shall not be named. Voldemort. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, until you really understand what's going on with that, slash the universe doesn't know what's going on with that. He has hidden the crap out of all of his secret ways of coming back. That there isn't really a threat level. You really get to enjoy those first two movies. Yes. Like just going into the universe with him and figuring out that, oh, my a-hole cousin is, is the whole world that I have to live through. There's all these other people and I can stay here over Christmas? Sign me up. Yeah. Oh, that was the sweetest scene when he realized he got presents i have presents Mm -hmm. and that ron just like hung back man and just stayed you know which listen one of the things having been a cook one of my previous careers i mean the and it doesn't really go into it in the movies the underworld of the school Mm -hmm. that's creating those meals that just magically appear on the table the feasts Mm -hmm. are like and i like that ron would indulge and eat and enjoy them because i mean like how every kid there was not just hugely fat i don't know because the dessert tables the like mounds of chicken legs i mean like it was insane doing magic is really like <laughs> carbohydrate heavy it's a lot Maybe. of work liz and they have to walk up a lot of stairs <laughs> oh so many moving stairs oh, that's true the moving stairs i mean the moving stairs from the book to the movie was like a just like a revelation of like oh that's what you're gonna do all of those paintings are freaking awesome i don't know how many times i've watched those scenes where i'm like i'm gonna look in the corner and see if someone's moving they are yeah everyone is moving in those paintings that is impressive i mean they really committed they're like no no no. that's the magical thing about this place all of these paintings are going to be alive yeah and if you actually visit any of the universal studios well the two of them that have harry potter part of it is the staircase and the um portrait gallery Right. And it's like they're all, you know, talking and moving. It's like, God, that's so cool. I mean, just the imagination to come up with that idea. And then the interpretation, like I said, from the book to the movies, they nailed it. They nailed it. I mean, you wonder what the first budget was. I mean, like. Supposedly the budget was $125 million. Oh, well, all right. That's, that's substantial. That's, that's giving you some leeway to really create yeah, a world. But imagine, like, any other movie that we're talking about that's all, like, adults. No school time needed. Their production schedule is probably like three months. $125 million for all those kids for that long, all the camera crews. That's actually a really small budget when you consider what they had to do right. to have basically a school full of children there the entire time. John, does it say anything or do you know? I know the first movie made... First one and the last one are the only ones across the billion mark. The first one? Wow. So um, you're right, Ed. So I think that, you know, the first two, or Catherine, sorry, tonally were lighter. 
Mm-hmm. A little more juvenile. I've been waiting to say this. Are you guys serious? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the Chamber of Secrets. He like they changed color tones. We're like, what? What if we do green and black? You Ooh. know, it was it, like took a real turn. I thought. I think I'm reacting still to they are so young and so just like I don't know, Sarah. Is it the second movie where Ron makes so many faces? Yes. Reacting to, you know, <laughs> giant spiders. And there's a lot of, like, lip-quivering, frightened oh. I mean, Ron so faces. that tonally. No? It's not funny. Oh, a child being scared is funny. Oh, I, uh, no. now I get it. <laughs> I just mean, for sure, performance-wise, they were very sort of light, the kids. Mm. No? You disagree still? Okay. We don't have to agree. That's okay. okay. Apparently. Well, Ron probably felt more, you know, a thespian by the second and could really explore his character. So let's not <laughs> let's not critique him. I mean, these kids had to go through puberty, all that immaturity on camera. So. They did amazing. And Ron had a very fun, full personality. I mean, I love the Weasleys, all of them. I love the twins, Catherine. Oh, sure. I mean, I thought you, know. you had issues with the twins. Well, what? Well, what kind of issues? What do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you were not as big of a fan of them. No, they're fine. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't cast more perfect duo, in my opinion. I mean, I'm really glad that they actually cast twins and didn't try and, like, fake it with one dude. Oh, no. That would have been very annoying. I think that would have absorbed way too much time. Well, that actually is true. It's twice as much work. And even you love that moment in the first movie, too, where all the ghosts are just roaming the halls and walking. I mean, we are walking through them. Those kind of got lost in the later movies. But that first one, we were like, no, there's totally ghosts here. Enjoy. It feels like maybe we saw the ghosts the most in those first two movies, and then whenever they came back like in the fights in the later movies, we saw them because they were the kids. That's who would have time to hang out with ghosts. Everybody else is too busy. they got too much stuff going on. they got the OWLs happening. They can't make time for Headless Nick. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe in those early years when there's less academic pressure, you can hang <laughs> yeah, out with so ghosts. So I think the ghosts just <laughs> hang with the freshmen and, you know, the, the first years. Well, as you said, like those first two movies also start off for Harry, like he's hopeful and excited to go back to the school year because there's not the Voldemort cloud hanging over him at that level. I mean, it is well, there, but it's not super dark. Yeah. And you haven't had a giant freaking serpent monster just up. Oh, that was here the entire time? Okay. But this kind place of is asleep. a little it was, scary. It was Not little so asleep. great. It was locked in a chamber of secrets. So, you know. It I, didn't take much to unlock it. No. You just had to. Well, anyway. Harry just had to show up at the school, and then the the entire franchise starts to unravel around him showing up. Because all that stuff was available right up until Harry gets there with the scar and basically, like, boop, pops the bubble. Well, yeah, well, his scar and his ability to talk to snakes. I mean, that I think is the other big issue. All right, Sarah, what is that ability called? Parcel tongue. Yeah. Ooh. Nice. Thank right. you, Sarah. <laughs> now, on uh, the first four screenplays, so adapting the books, were all done by the same writer, which was Steve Cloves. Well, he only took one off. He only didn't do number five. I wonder oh, why. What happened? There's got to be an explanation. You need a break. He's probably exhausted. I mean. <laughs> my lord because number five order of the phoenix which is a fun one but all right he can have a break so you know the winter time of year though that's the other thing it's like i love i mean that these come out usually around the holidays like a summer drop of a harry potter is like what are you doing to us apparently that was the original plan july 4th weekend and what? then they were not ready so they pushed to christmas that wow. was a really lucky
lucky thing because it feels very holiday. Yes, it feels like witchy Halloween and then through the holidays of like Christmas. Well, it's nice because they also have the scope of a year of yeah. a school year. So we get the seasons kind of embedded in there, which is nice. Yes. Even through the Quidditch matches, for sure. Because right. I mean, there's times you're like, oh, my God, I'd be so cold even watching it. There's no way I would go and support <laughs> the team. There's no way. Not for like freaking high school. That's like a high school football game in the snow. And the whole school shows up. Okay. <laughs> I don't know the whole school because I mean there's so many nooks and crannies in that castle you could just cozy on and, and read and then the fire magically appears before you and a cup of cocoa I'd like never move I mean like <laughs> it's like ridiculous I don't think cocoa is appearing in their common rooms I bet it could if you needed it well, I mean, yes, once Asio you... Asio Coco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Why wouldn't it? I mean... Look, I mean, I'm just judging from the evidence that it didn't in the movies or the books. So there you go. I'm, I don't know. Everyone's looking at me like I'm crazy. Feel free to disagree. I don't Sarah, know. Sarah, what is your opinion? I feel like I remember in the books that when Dobby starts working at Hogwarts, that he then, like, not special treatment, but I think he does bring Harry, like, snacks or stuff not his common room to his dorm room yeah that was the i almost made that uh you know qualification that once dobby starts working there but other than that it's a no i think based on my personality i would have befriended someone who'd get me hot cocoa by a fireplace okay okay you would have made friends with one of the chefs down there like oh how did you make that i need to know for my spells later well there's a passageway behind the painting next to the hufflepuff common room so you could just you know just tickle the pair right yeah oh my god you two that (laughs) is hilarious or no i think is that no that's for the kitchen right tickling the pair i want to say it is Mm. (laughs) well because the only other painting passageway i can think of is the gryffindor common room right yeah with the fat lady i mean rude but was she wearing pink the fat lady in pink yeah, something. pink silk dress. Come on. All right. Sorry. Now, Chamber of Secrets, I'll say the big takeaway was the blossoming or the focus on Ginny. Oh, okay. And you kind of going like, what, John? Where do I you... mean, I thought we were going to go <gasps> Gilderoy Lockhart, which is the okay, quintessential. That's All right. Short term. Yes. Kenneth Branagh. He's Lockhart. What he brought to that was... He was fantastic. Yes. I mean, just ego, fraudulent. (laughs) So good. Yeah, I think each movie has a standout new thing that is happening. Right. That when I was discussing with Sarah to kind of recap myself, I was like, oh, yeah. And what about this thing? And what about that thing? And that which movie was that? Okay. what? But yeah, so I definitely feel like for Chamber of Secrets, it was Gilderoy Lockhart hands down that was the standout moment for me just like his character his whole vibe wait chamber of secrets you don't care about that not really <laughs> and i don't really care about a basilisk i mean like sure it was good and fine and, and that it was, was the resolved. bad thing yeah mm-hmm. and it was re- resolved i mean these people were petrified there was a ghost that was petrified there was a cat that was oh. petrified oh petrified so bad oh god i just remembered the bones the bones in harry's hand when gilderoy lockhart tries to fix his hand and then oh, they've got this prosthetic flopping hand oh, that's so great. oh so amazing we had great moments from mr filch oh yeah mm-hmm. because he was poor cat and oh, terrible. Um, also i would say you know was that the first time i think it is that we're really seeing lucius yes Malfoy. i think at the book signing is when we first see of him, course because right? yeah. he mm-hmm. slips the freaking diary hey, like an spoiler. asshole what if someone has spoiler i mean no <laughs> and we also see the dynamic because before movie one draco malfoy betrayed beautifully by tom felton 
you think he is a spoiled, very beloved child. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you see the dynamic of like, oh. Oh, it's bad. Um, oh, it's just all attitude. It Great. Just, I don't know that he's not beloved. I'm just saying that it might have been a tougher household. And why he brings some of the bullying, menacing to school is because it happens at home. I mean, growing up Death Eater is, is no cakewalk, apparently. Evil yeah. influences. Yeah, yes. no good. So, oh, and Dobby. Dobby is first seen in this second movie. Played by Toby Jones or who voices it yeah well yeah and you also get mr and mrs weasley i mean i mean it wasn't just one thing and that was was amazing i do love mr weasley and the burrow the whole burrow thing with the self-stirring pot and like everything going on and the clock where everybody is yes very good good and just mr weasley's reaction of like which completely reminded of our household growing up where you know we come to dinner sarah and there'd be so many of us at the table that our father would take a moment to register like wait who are you there's a new person here what's <laughs> happening and that's what mr weasley did and when he said oh i'm harry potter oh so you are like you know what is his actual question he asked some a rubber ducky st- what is the purpose of a rubber ducky oh man Amazing. you're like wait how out of touch are you nothing there's no purpose well so yeah. these are That's their faces still looked very young in this movie, but when then you know you get to the prisoner of Azkaban, it's oh, yeah. like all of a sudden there's a big growth leap in right. terms of how they look and act. Well, it was 2004. It was two years. Well, <laughs> only two years. I mean, it seems like such a big difference. Well, okay, so we're saying first movie 2001, second 2002, and then 2004. So. Oh, okay, so over the course of four years, really. And you got some heavy hitters coming in for this movie. I mean, they up the ante dramatically with Gary Oldman playing Sirius. And then you have Lupin come in, which is David Thewlis. And then the big thing, right, Sarah, isn't it this movie that we've lost Sir Richard? And it's the new Dumbledore. And didn't you, I mean, I remember thinking, like, how are they going to do that? (sighs) Yeah. That was like a real big question mark for this whole series. How are they going to survive such a pinnacle character being replaced? But you realize that pinnacle character had so much beard and robes and hats. It's almost like their personalities were different, but look-wise, it wasn't so jarring. Well, also, I feel like the third movie is such a shift because we have a new director, Mm -hmm. so everything feels kind of different anyway. Yeah, the whole tone changed. Look, uh, we needed to know a lot about the Whomping Willow, and its changes throughout the seasons, and what happens very to birds. important. <laughs> um, I loved all of it. You were very suspicious, Liz. Look, there was the appropriate amount of beard on Richard Harris, and there's also the appropriate amount of beard on Michael Gambon. But that helps. He didn't show up clean-shaven for the third year, you know? I mean, so it was... It's still long, silvery robes. Did you ever notice his shoes? I think they like added on about, he was like a size 14 <laughs> and very long fingers. But it's played by the fantastic actor, Michael Gambone. I mean, he just stepped right into it and embraced it and was fabulous. And Emma Thompson, Professor Trelawney. Yeah. That's oh. another introduction, which is ironic because the previous movie, Kenneth Branagh, is her ex-husband who you love. So yeah. they both mm-hmm. got to dip their toes in this world, but in different <laughs> movies and I think that you know like you said they kind of it's almost like if you did sixth grade because that's when they enter basically what we would consider junior high so they are in their last year of junior high which is a big transition year and that's kind of what this felt like because Alfonso Curon he only did this movie and they talked about it taking a darker more mature 
tone to yeah, it. Yeah, because they're 13 now. And also Gary Oldman. <laughs> Which makes total sense. And Sirius Black comes on, and then that whole storyline of basically we get to see more of what Harry's parents were like when they were at the school. I thought it was so fascinating to discover more the origin of Harry's mother's relationship mm-hmm. with Snape and how he was basically bullied at school by Harry's father. Yeah. And that you can have these images of your parents being something that they're more dimensional than that. And I think they did such a fantastic job of showing that and how there was this like cool clique of kids that obviously Snape was not included in. And really, because Lily Potter, Lily at the time, and Harry's father, you know, he kind of started to pursue her. It took away Snape's like one true friend and revealed years later, true love. True love, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, he has resentment and complicated feelings about all of it. And that's really... we first start to understand all that especially if you had not read the books because they did flashbacks that were so fantastic to the early days of the school Mm -hmm. you also get a sense of why uh his character was so tough on harry that first and second movie Mm -hmm. which you didn't know you didn't have that insight but when you can look back at them and go oh yeah that'd be irritating as f if my ex's kid was swinging into school most popular kid i and i'm still (laughs) bent out of shape about that i might not be the best teacher for him yeah I do want to bring up the Marauders map just because I thought that was so cool the way that they did it. It really worked well visually. Mm. And Sarah, I think this is more like I know you've talked about before. Almost the font they chose for that. I mean, yeah, I believe it was all a practical effect. So they had like little fishing wire and they filmed things with like this big piece of paper folding it all up magically. Wow, cool. I mean, there had to be moments of you as the actor, just the technicality of your performance had to be very precise to be able to pull off some of these things. But there had to be moments you're just like, okay, this is so cool. Wait, how are we doing this? You know, just be able to. Don't forget, mischief managed, otherwise anyone can see it. Yeah, love that. And you just love that the twins are like, hey, Harry, I think you could use this more than us. (laughs) And now he's got the invisibility cloak. Sure. And this map. Which you're like, damn, dude, you have like free reign at all times now, which was so cool. And that's also the beginning of where we understand Ron's rat, which I hate a rat. I mean, which actually, according to the list of things you can bring to the school, oh, a rat is not oh. on there. So how did he even have a rat to begin with? You're allowed <sighs> to bring rat. like a, a cat toad and a yeah, cat. A, yeah. Owl. And, an owl. and that was it. Rat was not mentioned. Oh. Come on. Peter Pettigrew, what a jerk. Yeah, also, how old was that freaking rat? 12? Oh, what's well, yeah. a common house rat that's yeah. lived to the age yeah. of... Yeah. The ripe old age of a dozen years. Okay. <laughs> what mean, are you feeding it? Just get a rat tonic. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but then you look back and you always wonder, was that an Easter egg or did it evolve? Because there's a great moment yeah. where Ron's like, basically referring to his rat having a great time on the family trip, seeing the pyramids. And you're like, okay, well now we understand. It's like Peter Pettigrew is like, hell yeah, I get to go on a trip to the freaking pyramids. But you're like, did she know that she was writing that? Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, there's little, and obviously... Stephen Cloves pulling it out of the book and putting it in there. How interesting a rat seemed to be enjoying the family trip. Like, I don't, I don't know. There's too much. That was also, we discovered, like, oh, there's werewolves. They really opened up the world in that yes. movie from just this little castle full of magic. And we're not really telling you how it works anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They give us Hogsmeade. It's a whole nother magic city. And <sighs> yes. on top of animals that can transform that we know about, then there's, oh, there are werewolves too. That makes sense. You just hadn't told us. Yeah. I mean, Harry played that so wrong trying to get his permission slip signed that whole scene <laughs> freaking Dobby the asshole just like 
and I'm going to ruin your life with a snap of a finger. <laughs> but, you know, the character, Marge, Marge Dursley, oh, the bitch. I mean, like, what a miserable human being that she blows up. But you're also like, Harry, just like, they did not get the permission slip signed. I felt so bad for him because that was her butterbeer, man, which, the, the, let's forever settle it here, does it have alcohol or not? Uh, butterbeer, no. No. Not here. I'm sure it does there. Like, it's probably no. like a 1% beer. No. Hermione why, why seemed very it? buzzed walking back it one time super, from Hogsmeade. It is super, it is the way of the motherland, England, to, yeah, yeah teenagers are drinking light or like, beers. Or like, oh, yeah. No what do they hard call alcohol. It? Yeah, light beer or small beer, isn't that? Oh, okay, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, we get some of that in those Swedish books, like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, so I don't know. Oh. That's English. Yeah, okay. so, I mean, <laughs> I was like... I was like, Hermione seemed a little like tipsy walking back one year from Hogsmeade. So I'm like, mm, I think the butterbeer is not what we have here at Universal Studios. Yeah, oh, well, that's probably for Expand sure. Expand your mind! <laughs> Wasn't that? Yes. Um, all right, so that, you know, that really had a tone shift. They looked different. They were like now dealing with teenagers. There also was sort of the dynamics of Oh, do people like each other? And you get into number four. And well, that, wait, before we leave three, I just yeah. want to mention real quick the time turner. I thought that was really mm-hmm. well done. And the way they changed in the movie, changed perspectives for all the different scenes when you got to revisit them. So complicated. Like, Ugh. particularly seeing Hagrid Shack from a different perspective for and the first time. You're like, the wait, rock, what? The yeah. rock throwing was like, what is that? Oh, that's you yeah. mm-hmm. later in the movie throwing it to your... Aha. Uh-huh. Hermione, I like a good loop. Hermione, what an arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Is that what I look like from... Ba- it's like, well, yeah, that had to be alarming to see. And Dementors, I think this was really our first... Dementors has been talked about that obviously sucking basically the soul out of somebody, but you know, taking the joy out of you, which is also a comparison to depression. It's been mm. talked about of where it's overwhelming and can shut you down and suck the joy out of you, basically. Mm-hmm. So... They were scary. They were very well done. I mean, they just were like... Yeah, character design-wise, they were very good. There's a lot of interesting themes that it's so weird to apply this to a kid, an 11, 12, or 13-year-old kid Mm -hmm. in these movies. But as I grew up, that's my experience. I I had lost like that that early in my life. That seeing how they're showing these other elements and parts of depression or death or what you go through after that kind of trauma when it's brought up to the surface. That like, yeah, Thestrals... If you've seen someone die, then you can see these invisible horses that are flying us to the castle. Oh, oh right. Whoa, all right. There's some other layers to this magic world. Right. Yes, is Luna Lovegood? Mm-hmm. And I'd named my dog after Luna, by the way. Oh, <laughs> Luna Lovegood. I do want to mention before we move on, because it becomes less in there in the later movies, is the Hogwarts Express. It reminded <gasps> me because that's where we first see the Dementors <sighs> yes. when Sarah and I were talking about this earlier. She's like, yeah, that's where you first see them. Harry's on his way to school and the Dementors are like hovering about because Sirius Black is supposedly on the loose and they're looking for him or whatever. And that's also where we meet Lupin for the first time because he swoops in with chocolate because Harry is passed out because of the Dementors. But just seeing Platform 9 and 3 quarters and the Hogwarts Express visually, fantastic. I mean, the big red train and then it going through the countryside with the puffs of smoke mm-hmm. or steam or whatever it was. Oh, God, just Well, there's a fantastic. sequence 
involving the train that I belly laughed at. I belly <laughs> laughed at one of these scenes um, because remember they missed the train. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and so then they have to get in the car. Oh, no. And there's oh, wait. Oh. even before they when they miss the train when he hits that barrier full. Oh, st- like just, fl- I mean, and yeah. just crashes an owl on his I mean, trolley. The whole <laughs> thing is just like, oh god! I mean, I almost said uh, when we were doing movie two that we didn't talk about the Ford Anglia and this whole situation. But yes, in movie two, this is a big deal. When you know, so they take the invisibility car. Of course, Ron doesn't turn it on, and he's flying all over London, basically. Well, showing it was it was kind of not working. It wasn't the totally invisibility his- boosters busted. Oh yeah. no. All these muggles are seeing it, but there's a moment when Harry almost falls out of the car over now in the countryside, the train, and they, I don't, I, mean, I don't know if they meant it to be funny, but his owl is sort of looking down, and I'm like, oh well, dude, can't help you. You don't have wings. Like it is so because like, he's in his cage, and it's so funny, you know. And Ron's sweaty hands, you know, can't get him back up, and really his owl is looking down at him like. Nice knowing you, dude. I bet you wish you could fly. Like, yeah, I mean, uh... <laughs> but yes. The, hey, uh, uh, where's your broom, bro? But that's just right out of the gate. The Hogwarts Express. You know, oh, we got to talk about the story in half, but we'll get to the story in half maybe a little bit later. But I mean, just those first introductions of the world, like when they take oh, the yeah. boats mm-hmm. up. And see, oh, going backwards. Okay, we got to keep going. Keep forward. going forward. Just well, like a train, we got to head in one direction. It's hard because that first movie is so many things. Well, no, there's just one thing every movie. Oh, actually, the first <laughs> movie is everything. You know, is hush introduced. now, Mister. And I will say, you know, we brought up Luna Lovegood, but she actually, I don't think, comes in until the fourth movie. I think it's the fifth movie, right? Oh, my gosh. Even later. Yeah. She just seems to have an overall presence. But, yes, she's not in the third movie. Oh, wait. Sorry. One last thing on Prisoner of Azkaban. Yes. That was the first time we got to see them not in their robes, their, like, uniforms. And I remember thinking, like, wait, what? They were jeans? Like, what are you... What's (laughs) happening? I love that because it was such a change in how we see them. I mean, it wasn't just them going off campus and, you know, into Hogsmeade or whatever. It was roaming around campus in their off time and they're unzipped and they're, you know, like, Yeah, couldn't you relate to Because the four of us here went all to private school. So, really, Monday through Friday for most of the school year, you woke up and put on a uniform, and some days you didn't even take it off until you went to bed. So if you had soccer or some kind of that right. activity, then you probably would change out of it. Yeah, but, but often, you could stay in yeah. it until bedtime. And yeah. you could add, and they did this in the movies, where you could sort of see some personality as your tie up more or loose. I mean, Ron always sort of looked disheveled. disheveled. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, so they're always, you got little hints at how they carried themselves, but you're right. We got to see, like, well, what would your street clothes be? And it was not a complete, like, on-the-nose contemporary teenagers. I feel like they, they did a good job making all the costuming feel really timeless. Like, you don't watch yes. it and think, oh, this was made in 2007 or whatever. Right, you exactly. watch it and it's like, oh, it's just like a t-shirt. Yes, and no so real smart. logos. Yeah. You're right, totally. It can translate. It just was like a pair of jeans, your khakis, nothing too dramatic. But yet, they're street clothes now. Yeah, it was a big move. For me, I felt like, ooh, wow, what? Oh, okay, that, that's a pivot. That's part of this whole change in perspective. And Hermione was getting really good looking by this point, and her hair was getting under control. It's like, all right, Hermione, uh-oh, who's going to have eyes on you? Well, speaking of, yep. and... So the fourth movie is Goblet of Fire, and now even the posters are like, damn, 
you guys are all like teenagers. Oh, like. yeah. It's a real teen scene. <laughs> yeah, you've really upped the whole level of hormones, which was so fun because, I mean, this cast size, uh, holy moly. <laughs> so Goblet of Fire is when they basically bring the two other schools in and to have this big tournament, the Tri-Wizard Tournament. Well, even before that, we get the big Quidditch Cup. The World Quidditch Cup. So we yes. have this huge thing. I mean, the idea that yes. they're going to all go camping and then go to this giant sports event. Fantastic. The Mike tent, knew- the inside of the tent, is it's bigger on the inside. Straight up, like oh. a Doctor Who joke. I love yeah, that. Yeah, they did a great job. Harry Potter, I love magic. It really translated and worked, And I this thought. was in 2005, and Mike Newell was the director. And man, some of the cinematography talking about when they were walking up what would have guess been dusk to grab the port key. key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was so Beautiful. beautifully yeah. shot. It was a different direction. It felt like, well, they're really out on some beautiful hillside in the middle of the country and they're going to grab his port key and it's just gorgeously lit. Uh, you did not feel like a set or green screen or anything. I mean... This didn't have anything to do with uh, Cedric Diggory, Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Boom. He drops out of a tree. My strapping boy. Cedric. Oh, oh God. Cedric. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, no, I mean, although this is where we're dealing with teenage hormones. The girl's reaction to Cedric when they first see him was like, <laughs> so yes, we're starting right from the get go. You're right. We're kind of seeing them and they're more independent. The dad just takes them and he kind of is like, you guys are kind of on your own. And then wraps up that whole sequence with the Death Eaters <sighs> making themselves known. Yeah. So You're like, who are you assholes? Ay, ay, ay. And then you realize like Voldemort still has his minions or his troop his yeah group. his i don't know supporters followers? yes followers yeah. i think they were called followers yes see sarah thank you so yeah then once they actually so that's preschool like, yeah you know mm-hmm. and harry how fun for him gets to be part of it and now we're getting to school and you think it's gonna be a normal school year never that simple try wizard tournament love the name Oh, which of course the play on Tri Wizard and then Harry's the fourth of the Tri. Whoops. (laughs) Well, you know, they introduced the two other schools, which I think for us, if you're just watching the movies, this might be your first awareness that there are other magical schools. Yeah, for sure. Besides a mention or like, you know, Hermione schooling Ron on being wrong about something. Oh, that that's the other school. Fine. But we actually get introduced to the people from the school. And what a spectacular entrance both schools made. It's funny when you watch it because you're like, this is actually a lot of time you're devoting to this, but definitely worth it. I know, because it's like the girls do a full like ballet with basically (sighs) gymnastics. and dance routine entrance. Interesting size and a couple little, I don't know, butterflies flooding around. And the guys come in, they're doing like Krav Maga. And it's like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Then... Krav Maga. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Okay. What's awesome is you watch some of the movies now. They have added back deleted scenes. If oh, you, really? If you watch it on, right, Sarah? Yeah. So there'll be things you'll feel like you're almost crazy. You're like, I don't remember seeing that. So one of the scenes they cut was like, so you have these two other schools like with their very impressive, you know, wow, powerful entrances. And then Dumbledore is like, okay, our turn. And they sing this song that just goes on and it's really kind of like it's their school song, but it's really nothing impressive and they're all just singing it and, and the other schools are like, what? Oh my God, really? That is so funny. <laughs> and you kind of get a glimpse like, oh, Hogwarts is cool, but like maybe these other ones are more serious. Like, Oh, they yeah. definitely are. Yeah, that makes sense. That's funny. It was just like, oh, I mean, it was just the first time I saw it, I was like, did I, wait, 
this was not in the movie theaters. And then I went online and realized they said they've added back in some deleted scenes. Wow. Now, I don't know if that to make like, you know, a three hour block, whatever with commercials, like to actually oh, I fill see. it out. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, we get Victor Crumb, Fleur de Clore. Like those are going to be like. Fleur de Lore, I thought. Fleur Delacour. Oh, God. We're all wrong. Only Sarah is right. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. And the big thing was you're going to enter your name into the goblet to be able to play in this, like, you know, contest of wits and stamina and strength. Right, to be a contestant. Right. The three wizards. And it makes sense that you need to be of a certain age, which looked to be like a senior, like a 17 years old. Right, John? Well, that was a new thing. I mean, you know, that was not previously part of it. Dumbledore instituted this age line, and that was a new deal. Oh. Oh. Yeah, well, you know, the Triwizard back in the day, it was okay. Somebody died that year. What? (laughs) Well, and every single school year, because they're talking about this at the first great feast, like your welcome back feast. And there's usually introductions of new school teachers and if something's changed and so on and so forth. So we get Alistair Moody, who's played by Brendan Gleeson. Mad-Eye Moody. He just did a Saturday Night Live that, wow. He did amazing. Really good. <laughs> he did so great. I mean, but he, he did reference that you might know me from the Harry Potter movies. Right. <laughs> so it's I like, mean, well, yeah, a lot of people do. And you know, we're uh, not spoiler free and are huge fans. Him knowing that he is coming into that movie and all the way until the end, he's playing another character in that Mad Eye Moody suit. Yes. Is yeah. That, just, yeah. He, he's like a powerhouse. You buy into. Yeah, he's kind of doing it, but he's definitely got like some other thing he's doing. Agenda. The, the agenda the whole time. Be- uh, it turns out because it's a, it's actually David not Tennant. him. Yeah, mm-hmm. Polly Juice Potion, <laughs> constant vigilance. <laughs> and uh, you know that introduction of that character of right out of the gate, which you're just like, oh gosh, his eyes zooming everywhere, and oh my god, <laughs> like here we go. Fine, spoiler alert: Harry gets in the tournament. That was one of my favorite uh, Michael Gambon as Dumbledore. Or seeing him like you know running Harry into a the thing of you know goblets or whatever it is trophies like, it was or fantastic. Did you put your name in the goblet? No, 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 no. no. I mean, you, so yeah. I mean, the intensity because we also have the other professors, Madame Maxime, you oh, know, getting a uh, oh, chandelier Maxime, out of the way. Yes, Rubus which I love her. And who was the other, the big guy? Well, I mean, big Death Eater, Igor Karkaroff. Oh, but maybe he's turned. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He was great, yeah. And then we have Bartimius Crouch Sr. Come on, Barty. Oh, oh and Crouch. then we didn't, um, that was one of the things that we didn't get in the movies is uh, the, the sporting man, right? Yeah, the fourth one I think is one of the ones when we started to really deviate from the books. They mm-hmm. were like, we don't have time for this winky, the house elf subplot. Like, we need to cut <laughs> this down. Oh, right. You're right. Hermione was their champion, right? And was like trying to yeah. get them more rights. So we simplified because I reread the books recently and I was like, oh, this is much more complicated. This whole like Barty Crouch Jr. and Senior and all this is much more complicated in the books because you have time to just like pages and pages devoted to explaining it. Whereas in a movie, you have to kind of her it along. <laughs> yeah, and they kind of did through flashbacks, but actually not flashbacks. Some of it was the pensive. Pensive, where we find Dumbledore pulling memories out of his bo- That was a beautiful effect, too. The idea of pulling memories out and putting them into this swirling whatever. You're like, okay. The way they did it was so beautiful that it's like this gossamer string of right. glistening, and then it swirls into this thing. And then even when Harry dips into it and then comes into whatever Ooh, those memories yeah. are, those were 
were mm-hmm. fantastically well, they do done. They do some good face dipping effects in these movies. The talking to Harry through the fireplace effect that they do. Oh, that yeah. is just that I was like, that would have oh, been Azkaban, right? That, I 100 mm-hmm. percent need that in everything. With Sirius now. Black, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're in danger, Harry. It's <laughs> <laughs> just in my throat. <laughs> but one of the great characters, Rita Skeeter. Oh, Rita Don't, Skeeter. Aren't Harry a blushing twelve-year-old? Or was she like just like? <laughs> <laughs> What, John? I don't know. Uh, you know, wasn't a tear glistening in his eye? Oh. There is not a tear in my eye. The orphan young 12-year-old. I'm 14. A tear glistening in his eye. I'm not crying yet. <laughs> his eyes are glistening with the ghosts of his past. Oh, oh gosh. They nailed it. And so I think, you know, this was a very stacked cast. Oh, it was a deep. Just, yeah. We got to meet the Patel twins, who were fantastic. You're now dealing with hormones and them being teenagers and Ron's jealousy of Harry. Well, and also complicated by there's that ball. Everybody has to have a oh, date for this ball. Oh, good so lord. Good. Uh-oh. Stakes. Are we setting something up? Cho Chang. Yes, this was the first, because there had been rumors, because the books were ahead of the movies, that we kind of knew that Harry and Ginny were going to possibly be love interests. But in the movies, we were more on track to see Harry and with Margaret, Chang, yeah. mm-hmm. but she was with what is like the quarterback of the high school, Cedric. So, right. and yet, you know, that whole scene going back to like hand me downs and the Weasleys, Ron's dress clothes for the ball. He looked his good. dress robes. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, they were. Well, yours are all right. What are these? I mean, like, I think these are my grand petunias or whatever. I mean, Harry walks in like he's going to a royal opera. Yeah. I mean, he looks incredible. Also, Hermione, you know, really... Her big moment. Looks the gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you see Ron's the burgeoning feelings and jealousy toward Victor Crumb, who I thought they did such a good job. He seemed to be so sweet toward Hermione. Yeah, I like that. that yeah, was it was well done. For being Victor Crumb and like, oh, 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 oh. you know, he's out hiking by the lake and she's reading her book like so uninterested. Which, you know, usually works. So he's like, who's that girl? <laughs> so, but the Patel <laughs> twins were so funny at the dance, too. Like, would you like to dance? <laughs> Can you take your hand? Take my arm. Take me anything just to get away from Ron. And just, they're so miserable. And it snapes out breaking up people making out out in the carriages there's so many great levels which i think that was a deleted scene as well but then it was back which yeah. was so good you're like gosh dude, it's kind of inappropriate they're all making out in these carriages well and what better you know you're talking to a fellow death eater and then but also you're you know schooling some teenagers <laughs> the levels that you have to be at we still at this point lord voldemort has not come to true fruition so the threat was not at the highest level. Well, we didn't quite know that, but there was at the beginning of this movie, we started with a whole different thing. Ew, that's right. Isn't he like a tiny, ugly baby? And then Nagini, and he ate the dude in the old ha- in the house. Yeah, that <laughs> that five minutes out of the entire two and a half hour movie. Yeah, I remember. But that. it's yeah. apparently that was a deleted scene in my brain because I <laughs> totally <laughs> forgotten that that even yeah. happened. It's not as if Harry knew the level of threat that he was at that point because he really the movie is really about Harry getting through the Tri Wizard tournament and the challenges and him being younger and maybe not as knowledgeable as prepared and so. So Mad-Eye Mooney definitely helps with Neville Longbottom, get him through the underwater challenge and through some other ones by dropping hints or helping him. What were you laughing at? 
No, I just, yeah, remembering that scene. Also, uh, you know, the twins giving odds. But <sighs> behind the scenes, all of it, Moody, behind the scenes of that, a Death Eater helping him out. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. So many layers. I do want to call out just the bathtub scene because I that's... was just thinking that. It's <laughs> oh. weird vibes. It's very strange. And again, this idea of like, you know, burgeoning sexuality and bubbling up. I mean, no pun intended because he's in this like bubbly pool or whatever. But just that the ghost is going to be checking people Bloody out. And like, what? Which also, that actress, she was the oldest actress playing a student. She was like 32 or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but she was playing a ghost. Shirley Henderson, Moni Myrtle. Moni Myrtle. Hello, Harry. <laughs> Harry. He was awful. He looked right in green horrible eyes. You're like, oh boy. Yeah, see, something else introduced in movie two. So many things get introduced. It's That's endless. true. That's and true. I will say that bath will forever haunt me, as oh, pun intended. Wow, the amount of water and d- suds. And it like, also looks like beautiful oils are being put in. I mean, I was like, for one person, I was like, what? Is <laughs> well, that? it's the prefect's bathroom, so it's, oh, you know, okay. Which you've never, earned it if you're a prefect. I guess. You, I mean, it was the moly. size of a swimming pool. It was yeah. ginormous. Also, was the password to the prefect's bathroom Pine Fresh, or am I forgetting? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh my gosh. All right. So, you know, we got to move on, even though we could linger in the bath forever on this one. Or do I? I had one thing, one thing left that I wanted <laughs> okay, to say about okay. uh, the Goblet of Fire. Yeah. I find it interesting that in the Goblet of Fire, Harry, I, I'd say this, across the entire franchise, I don't think Harry's ever tempted to go down an evil path. But that is what's been set up up to this point in the Goblet of Fire. You watch Tom Riddle write all this nasty stuff and find all these spells and start doing these things at that age in school and then other students like the leader of the other school becoming a death eater that's 20 years ago when they were doing that at around this age so it's interesting that this goblet of fire is a challenge to him not to dip into the darker side to solve some of these problems at the end of the movie because that'll tell you which path you're going on and like so many characters get revealed at the beginning, they went down a different path. They chose the dark side. So him coming out of this, being successful and not having like all of that negativity in, inside him choose how he deals with something gives us some more insight, especially into a character like Snape, who also had some really tough stuff go on, made some bad choices and had to come back from it. Mm-hmm. We don't know much about that yet, but we learn about that. So you can kind of see these elements of the grown-up stories or these stories that we're getting told about that choices have been made where harry's like right in that moment there's a lot of stuff that happens in this movie one of the hardest things most people have to deal with in this movie franchise is the death of one of the lead characters in this story cedric really spins a lot of these characters off into the new path where they're going to try to fight evil against like i can't believe you did that to someone who was so good and so nice and so pure we really have to pick a side now. Well, it's polarizing them, I yeah. think, because unlike Harry, who experienced the death of his parents very early, I don't think, you know, at that age, typically, you maybe have not experienced death, much less one of your peers. And that scene, when Amos Diggory realizes his son is dead, oh, my God. boy, my boy, my boy. I mean, I don't know how that doesn't break your heart. Oh, it, it is so beautifully done. Wonderfully done. And, you know, it shows Voldemort has come back to life and that Harry barely escapes and with Cedric's body 
from a port key back to bring him back to his father, it does speak to you're at an age where you start to develop your own moral code and your own integrity. Yeah. So you could have cheated, you know, or had hints or, you know, he doesn't leave Cedric in the maze. He chooses a different path with him together. And that unfortunately puts Cedric right in the line of fire of Voldemort. But you're right. It's like a lot of times you're talking about this coming of age story. And part of that is like, what side are you going to choose? And at the end of this, because Voldemort's back, Voldemort's back, and some people are not going to believe that, but it, it becomes time to like, what side are you going to choose? Right. And it was heartbreaking because in the sense of the stories, we hadn't lost necessarily like a good guy, much less a child, a peer. Like, mm-hmm. So Cedric was alarming at that point. And like I said, Amos Diggory, played by Jeff Rawl, just talk about you know only a certain amount of words and sentences but nailing the emotion it broke your heart so you're right okay why don't we actually take a little break and you know um why don't we make this part one for us yeah that's a good idea let's this will be part one but i think as a halloween treat we're not going to trick you and hold this till next month's huge fan podcast so hold tight you're not gonna have to wait long for part two of our huge fans harry potter movies podcast so we'll be right back with part two so in the meantime, definitely follow us on all of our social media at Huge Fans Podcast. And thanks for listening to Huge, Huge Fans. Fans.